So our sermon today, I see, is from Luke 12, verses 1 through 3. No, I actually planned that, so believe it or not. Um, Luke 12, verses 1 through 3. If you'd please rise out of honor of God's Word. That's found on page 1091 in your Blackview Bible and 1259 in the Adventure Bible. Luke 12, verses 1 through 3. And I read in Jesus' name. In the meantime, when so many thousands of people had gathered together that they were trampling one another, he began to say to his disciples first, Beware the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. Let us pray. Father, as we come now to study and apply this lesson, your word, Lord, we pray that you would bless us, that you would guide us. Father, that you would change us, that we may look more like Christ. Lord, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. And so, Jesus is here talking about hypocrisy. And so the first question is, actually, the first question isn't who is it. The first question is, what is it? So, do any of you have a working definition of hypocrisy? If you have it, shout it out. What's hypocrisy? Say one thing, do another. Say one thing, do another. All right. Any other additions to that? Or? Believe in one thing and do the exact opposite or different believe in something and do the do something different or the opposite okay do any of you have any of you how about this um we'll make it more more vague have any of you ever interacted with someone who is hypocritical what sort of feeling did that generate lack of trust a lack of trust Anger. What else? Uncertainty. Disappointment. Uncertainty. Anything else? Disgust. Confusing. Confusing. And so when we think about hypocrisy, and Jesus says, beware of the leaven and the, of the scribes and the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. And so what Jesus is saying is, beware of hypocrisy. You know, that's, but then he, he throws in this leaven thing because what does leaven do? It makes things rise. It makes things rise. It fills with air. It fills things with air. That's right. It puffs. It has to be warm. Okay, for leaven to work, it has to be warm. I don't know how to pull that one in. Uh, hot air. Oh, hot air. Oh, okay. There you go. That's what you're getting at, hot air. So it fills with air. It makes it hollow. It doesn't actually fill it with substance. What? What? It spreads. Yeah, because when you put a little bit of leaven, what happens to the whole loaf? The whole loaf rises. And so if you have, a, if you let a little bit of hypocrisy happen in your church, what happens? 
The hypocrisy grows. Not the church grows, the hypocrisy grows, yeah. It becomes fluffy. The church might grow. Oh, it's some, yeah, okay, there are people that are attracted to fluffy churches. It grows in a negative way, not in a positive way. It doesn't grow in, in mass, it grows in space. It fills up more space, but it doesn't actually create substance. Um, you know, and these are, these are important things when we think about this, because not only is this dangerous within a church, really the question is, at what level is this not dangerous? Because when Jesus is talking to his disciples, he's not saying, hey, watch out for those, just watch out for those guys. It's like, no, you guys have to beware too. Because I have to beware of this. It's not just them. You know, when I, this is going to be a little bit more personal of a question. Have any of you ever caught yourself acting hypocritically? Yes. So when that's, there that means that joe you have to be careful that you're not partaking in the leaven of the scribes and the pharisees that i'm not letting myself get away with that because oftentimes that's what it is i am singing this thing over here or i'm acting this way in public why because that's what's expected of me like, this is what's expected of me. I'm, I'm, spo- I'm a pastor. I wear the tie and get paid the big bucks. You know, that's what's expected of me. I need to be acting like a pastor, but then in private, what am I doing? That's the question. Because a hypocrite isn't disgusting in public and pure in private. You ever thought about that? They're the opposite. And so what does our culture tell people do? Well, just be disgusting in public too. Like, oh, this is the way you are in private? Well, you might as well be that way in public. It's like, no, that's not the way to manage this. We don't lower the bar. Oh, the bar's too high. So what are we going to do? We're going to lower the bar so you can be whatever you want to be in public. Like, no, that makes for a disgusting culture. That makes for an immoral and uh, a polluted and a perverse culture, which is kind of what we're interacting with right now. Um, but isn't it better to act the same in both places? It is better to act the same in both places, but that doesn't mean that we lower the bar in public. That means we raise the bar in private. And so that's how God calls us to interact with this. And because it's not good to be a hypocrite. Beware of the leaven of the scribes and the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Because everything that's said in private, what's going to happen to it? It's going to be made public. It's going to be an open mic. Yeah, it's going to be shouted from the rooftops. And so this is, those are your two options, really. When we're talking about hypocrisy, you have two options. Either you lower the bar in public or you raise the bar in private. Why is hypocrisy accepted? That's a really good question, Doug. Because hypocrisy is accepted. Because how many times, um, what was that joke about politicians? How do you know when a politician is lying? They open their mouth. They stop their moving. <laughs> and we make that joke. But what are we saying? They're hypocrites. But that's okay. They're politicians. What was the other, um, the other joke? Oh, yeah, it's the 99% of the lawyers that make the 1% or give the 1% a bad name. Um, that, you know, that's, 
And what is that? That's hypocrisy. Josh. Well, that, you know, I think that actually, I think you're right there, Josh. So I'm going to add to that a little bit. So because we don't care about character, we just want to sound good. We just want people to tell us the things we want to hear instead of actually what is real. And so I think it's because we live in a culture that would rather live in a fantasy world than live in reality. Because reality is scary, but fantasy is nice. That's why everybody's trying to create a utopia. You know, that's all this woke stuff. They're trying to create a utopia. That's what's going on in England right now. I just read an article about that. Um, how, how the English drive for utopia has actually destroyed our culture. And I thought, well, that's interesting. You know, because utopia, that's a, a place, topia, you, not, a place that does not exist. And so that's the entomology of the word utopia. And so you can also translate that to good, and so depending on the way you're translating it. Um, that's the same with what we discussed earlier about lying, the father of lies. Yep, and Satan is the father of lies. Lying has been accepted and rejected. Yep. It used to be really, you know, you're a liar, liar, pants on a fire. You know, that was <laughs> yeah, the whole Pinocchio thing, right? Right. Yeah. And it doesn't mean anything anymore. It doesn't mean anything. And so when we're thinking about this, we have to remember that we live in a culture that has embraced hypocrisy as the way of interacting with the world, whereas Jesus says, beware hypocrisy, which means that hypocrisy is bad. It, it pollutes, it corrupts, um, it sours, because this isn't the nice pure yeast that we have nowadays. They're making sourdoughs. And so it sours that which was sweet. And so it, it corrupts it. And so the leaven of the scribes and the Pharisees, what was the problem with the scribes and the Pharisees? They were puffed up. They were full of hot air. They didn't have any extra mass. They, they spread, but then they would fall in due time. What happens if you let a loaf overrise? It collapses. And that's what happens with hypocrisy. And so when Jesus is talking about this here, he, this is what he's saying. He's using this imagery to teach us about what's going on. And I've tried making bread, and I've had loaves collapse, and that's one of the reasons why Kirsten makes the bread in our household. Um, <laughs> she's much better at it than I am. Um, because we can't, God has made it so. And this is, this is the promise. This is one of the reasons why we don't have to fear the hypocrites, because Jesus isn't saying that. He's not saying beware of hypocrites. He's saying beware of hypocrisy, because the hypocrites will be made known. God has made the world in such a way, and the Holy Spirit is acting in the world in such a way as to make it known. The people who have character, it will be made known. So if you have character, God will make sure that you have opportunity for that to shine. If you have raised the bar in your private life so that your private life lives up to the expectations of your public life, God will make that known. If you have lowered the bar in your private life, God will make sure that that comes into your public life. You don't hide. We can't hide from these things. Because Almighty God is at work in this world. And so, what does it mean for us to be hypocrites? It means for us to not live out those things which we profess. To pull from Brian's phrase there. The Pharisees, the scribes and the Pharisees focused on the law and didn't ever focus on the gospel. Because they 
either didn't, A, didn't know about it, or B, that's how they were saved, was through the law. That's what they thought. They, yep, they thought that they would be saved through the doing of the law. They didn't focus on the gospel, so they didn't actually know how to raise that bar in their private life. Because they thought if they could just live well enough that their inside would be changed. Would you say but, the same thing is happening in our churches today? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's because we're not... It's because we forget whose job is it to change our hearts. And that's the gospel. It's not my job to change my heart. I can't. It's beyond me. Not through willpower. So if it was through willpower, then the stubbornest people in this world would be the most godly. <laughs> Think about it. Yay. Yay. <laughs> it's not through willpower. We can't, through sheer stubbornness, change our own hearts. It's not through emotion, because then the most emotional people in this world would be the most godly. Yay. <laughs> and it's not through intellect, because the most intellectual people in this world would be the most godly. And well, we, we scoff at that, but if we think it's through those mechanisms that we can actually change our heart, then that's what would happen. It's like the idea that's, and to some degree it's true, and so I'm not totally disparaging it, but sports gives you good character. And it's like, then our professional athletes should be the highest paradigms of character in our culture. And they're not. And so sports by itself cannot do it. Intellect by itself cannot do it. Emotion by itself cannot do it. Willpower by itself cannot do it. It needs something else, and it needs Jesus. Period. How do we raise that private life? It's through our relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's the gospel that you're talking about, Doug. And that's where we miss it because we say, no, if you just learn more about the Bible, then your heart will be changed. It's like, if you learn more about the Bible properly, it'll lead you to Jesus who will change your heart. Well, if you just feel it more deeply, well, if you're feeling it deeply properly, it's going to lead you to Jesus who will then change your heart. Well, if you just buckle down and work at it. Well, you know, if you're working at the law properly, what's it going to do? It's going to lead you to Jesus because that's the whole purpose of the law is to lead you to Jesus. It's to teach us about Jesus. All of these things are to lead us to Jesus because he's the one that can change your heart. He's the one that can fix that private, personal life so that not only will our private life rise, but also our public life. Because it's all about Jesus. And so why is it that we have to beware hypocrisy? Because hypocrisy keeps us away from Jesus. Because it says, I don't need him. I can just schnooker all of you guys. There's all sorts of other words. People probably don't use the word schnooker anymore, do they? (laughs) It's historical. Yes. We've got to quit doing that. Um, I can just fool. (laughs) You guys know what it means. I can just fool all of you guys. And it's fine because that's all that matters. So I was talking to, if you guys remember Chris and Emily Adama when they were, um, they were off in, well, the subcontinent in Asia. Doing mission work, there was a guy who was a Muslim and he had a magic pendant on. Magic pendant. And he goes, isn't that against Islam for you to be wearing that pendant? He goes, it doesn't matter. Nobody can see it. <laughs> so it's the same. Like, what are they doing? I can do whatever I want as long as nobody can see it. It doesn't matter. Nobody can see it. So that's actually what was believed by that man. I'm not saying Islam teaches that. I'm saying that man believed that. 
It's like, well, that's pretty bald-faced. It's like, yeah, it is. But he reveals the truth. Well, I can do whatever I want as long as nobody can see it. Well, no, that's not reality because God sees everything. And so the sins in my public life, do they need to be dealt with? Yeah. The sins in my private life, do they need to be dealt with? Yeah. How do we deal with them? It's by buckling down and being more stubborn. Sorry, Germans, but that's not the way it goes. <laughs> by coming to Jesus. Because us Norwegians are really le- easygoing and laid back. Right, Mark? Yep. Yep. No, it's, it's Jesus. That, he's the whole point of this. You know, and what, so what, what is Jesus saying? It's going to be made known. So you better fix it. Otherwise, it's going to be made known. The truth will come out. Praise God, the truth will come out. And so, as we think about that, so, it isn't, we don't lower our public, we raise our private. So that our private reflects godliness and holiness as well. We don't do it by our own intellect, we don't do it by our own emotions, we don't do it by our own will, we do it by coming to Jesus. Coming to Jesus in confession, coming to Jesus in repentance. I talked to my Sunday school about that this week. As I was working on my pastor's report, God convicted me of sin. Um, and it was motivations for some of the things that I had done. So what do we do? Oh, God, forgive me. Show me why, why am I doing this. And he revealed it to me. It was because of pride. Base self-pride. Trying to exalt myself instead of exalting Christ. That's pride. God forgive me. And you know, then he showed me how to manage it. It's through confession. It's through repentance. It's as we're, it's, we push back against that. It's like, no, that's not why we do this. We do this for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because that's the point. Because if Joe Faldet rose in glory in this world, would anyone be saved through that? Nope. But if Jesus is lifted up, what will he do? Draw all men to myself. Yep. Praise God. And so that's what this is all about. Why should they beware of hypocrisy? The negative, it will be made known. The positive, if you're aware of your hypocrisy, it'll drive you to Jesus because you'll realize you can't do this on your own. Why, when we confess, don't we give thanks for what has been done? That's a good question, Doug. Why, when we confess, do we not give thanks for what has been done? I think we should. That is true. Yeah. I think probably because we haven't been taught to. Because we come with a contrary heart, but we should also be coming with thanks. Thank God, you know, what Jesus has done, you have done it all. Yeah. So what Doug just said is we, at, after we confess our sins, we should thank God that he's done it all. And oftentimes, I think it's because of the, I, well, okay, so I was listening to an Orthodox, uh, Eastern Orthodox historian talk about this and he says it's because of the Western pessimism and our belief that through our emotional flagellation, like beating ourselves emotionally, sorry, he was a historian and so he used antiquated words too. Um, <laughs> not just me. <laughs> but it was through beating ourselves up emotionally that we feel that we're actually paying the penance for our sin. And I think one of the reasons why we don't just praise God and thank God for Forgiving us our sin is because we want, we seek to live under that shame and under that guilt as a way by which we can keep ourselves from sinning again. It doesn't work because Paul talks about that in Colossians, that no 
Uh, no amount of abuse to the flesh will ever, will ever purify our flesh. And it's a fall that paraphrase. Luther struggled with that too. Yep. And, and we've inherited some of those things. Yeah, Romans 1, 16 and 17. Okay. Yep. And so as we're interacting with this, because even that's hypocrisy. If I can... Ex- okay, so how many of you have been ever been forgiven of a sin and yet it's continued to bother you? Anybody? Do you know what that is? That's a lie. Because if, you've, if the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. free indeed. And so then, does that sin, does that shame, does that guilt now have any right to be in your life? None. And so that is all a lie from Satan. Because I am free indeed. I am free of all effects of that sin. There might be temporal effects, but I am free of all emotional, I am free of all the spiritual effects of that sin. It no longer has to have any weight on my intellect. no longer has to have any weight on my will. It no longer has to have any weight on my emotions. It doesn't need to affect me in a spiritual manner at all. It might affect my house. You know, if, uh, well, if I got drunk and punched a hole in the wall and asked God to forgive me, you know, would he then fix the wall after he forgave me? No, because it still has temporal effects. But I would be forgiven. So then I wouldn't have to live under that shame, but I'd still have to fix the hole in my wall. Does that make sense? And yeah. And so as we're interacting with that, when, as we're dealing with sin, what do we do? We let it go because Christ has forgiven us. We, pr- we can praise God because we are free indeed. And so why do I beware of hypocrisy? Because it can lead me to Jesus. It can lead me to forgiveness. It can lead me to grace. And so not only is this the negative, bad things will happen. That positive exists within it too. As you seek to deal with hypocrisy, as God reveals that, it'll bring you to Jesus. And that's the whole goal of all of this, is to bring us to Jesus. Because God wants a pure bride for himself. We read about that in Ephesians. But in order to have that, we have to deal with our hypocrisy. And that's not by lowering the standard. It's by coming to Jesus. And so, with this, to, <laughs> to reveal, not only to you guys, but also to myself, to reveal our hypocrisy um, in the way that we interact with the world, I'm actually going to have us rise and close the sermon time with our confession of faith. Because that's the question. As we confess our faith, do we live out these things? You know, because we say we believe this. Do I live in this manner? Do I live as if I actually believe these things? Or do I live like the world does, who doesn't believe these things? And if God convicts you of that as you're going through our confession of faith, what do you do with it? You kick yourself a few times, right? Because that'll fix it. No. You get stubborn because that'll, no. Come to Jesus. Bring it to Jesus. Lord, I haven't been believing that you're almighty. I've been afraid of whatever. Lord, I haven't believed in your forgiveness of sins. I've been allowing the sins that you've forgiven to continue to hold onto my heart. Lord, I don't believe in the communion of saints. I, I feel alone and isolated. Lord, no. Are we living these things out? So join with me now as we corporately confess our faith. And ask God, 
am I living this way? So as we close, please rise. Join with me. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. So I'll ask, as you're con confessing that, did God reveal any way in which you weren't living this out? I know he did to me. Pointed out a few things, Joe. So I encourage you to think about these things. With that, let us close. Let's pray as we close. Father, I thank you for this warning about hypocrisy. And I pray that as we flee from hypocrisy, that we would come to you. Lord, that we would trust in you. That we would embrace you. And seek you for forgiveness and cleansing. Lord, that we look to you. Bless us now and guide us that we would beware of hypocrisy. Lord, and that we wouldn't become like the Pharisees or we wouldn't become like the hypocrites, but that we would live in this world like you. Father, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.